0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com you. And it talks about also the it talks about if a coin has a mum a blemish there um, are many different kinds of blemishes uh, it, it names if he's blind if he has a certain cuts in certain areas but there's some very beautiful that I would like to share with you Says the following. So the pasuk says the following: "Kol anyone that has a mum, a blemish, ki sign ye for it will not be accepted favorably. So that the, not only can can the carbon not have a mum, the animal cannot have a mum, but the person who is bringing the animal cannot have a mum. Koheno has a mum." uh can't do Bechaz Kahanim either Because people are going to look at him Right? So there are certain moments that a person um, My, our Minag My father used to tell me always To take off my glasses When I do Bechaz Kahanim um, That's a Could be But really the reason He, he told us to take off the glasses That there shouldn't be any separation There shouldn't be any separation at all the, the, we cover, the Kohen covers his face um, and his hands so that the people should not see his hands and his, you're not supposed to look up at it I don't know if it's true, if it's not true they they say if you look at the Kohen's hands you have them, we can take away some of your eyesight I, I'm, I'm careful not, the Kohen keeps his eyes closed under the towels we don't look at our own hands when we're under the towels our eyes are, our eyes are closed you're not supposed to look at your hands because the Shekhinah, there are there are separations, and it says that the shekinah is on the Kohen's hands. So we don't look at we don't. You shouldn't look at the Kohen's hands anyway. So the first thing it's telling us, which is very important, which is very deep. So what, what was the and, and this is a this is a big subject. This is a very big subject. What was the Kohen's job? Kohen's job was to help Jews, whether it was, oh, he was showing them, show them that Aaron Cohen used to make peace between, he used to go over to the lady in the marriage and say, when they when they were separated, when they weren't getting along, and he would say to the lady, listen, um, your husband told me that I should come and he'd like to meet you in the restaurant at 1 o'clock to apologize. Then he would go to the husband, he'd say, listen, uh, you, your wife called me, she would really love to meet you at 1.30 in the... Um, in the what's called, in the restaurant to apologize. And once you got them together, right, and each was like, no, you didn't, you don't have to apologize. I'll apologize first. They didn't realize what he did. That was Aaron A. He was, yeah, you could lie, not lie, you could change the truth a little bit. You could add, you could make up truth to make, to make, um, to make But the that was what Aaron A. did. But what did the do in the base of Meghdash? He took people who were Tom A, right, and he made them talk. He, made, he took people who were impure he made them pure. He, people came with their sins, right? And they left clean. If they had a physical tzuras, which is really not a physical disease, it's not catchy, it comes from something spiritual, it comes from talking to Lashon Hara. So nega tzuras kisir other, you see this what? Is, we left it open. Nobody, nobody sat there. So they would bring it to the kohen. So what was the kohen's job? The kohen's job was making peace, making impure people pure. People have harassed, curing them, right? Um, a woman who was suspected of adultery, she went into a room. So it, there was a site there. So either the they got punished or because the Kohen did what he did. And they brought, there was a carbon of a site also. She was found innocent, and she would it would say that even if she could not have children before that, because her husband accused her, she's a whole different subject, because her husband accused her and she was innocent, her reward is that she couldn't have children, from then on she could have children, that was the, that was the, the Mida Kinege of course, if someone could not have children, going into a room with a man when the husband tells her not to because she wants to have children, that didn't work, that didn't work, that you couldn't do that to have, to have children. But um, so the client had a very big job. So the Torah is telling us, and I could just say this and I could leave, because we, you could think in your head, you could work on what I'm about to say for the rest of the night. So the first thing the Torah tells us by Emma, not the first thing, but what it tells us in this, week, in this week's Pasha is, tell the Kahanim that if they have a mum, they can't do that right now. Well. Don't fix other people before you fix yourself. That's it, you don't need any more, that's the shit tonight. Stop being busy fixing everyone else. You need to fix yourself. So if the coin has a mum, he cannot help anyone else. He can't do that voice in the base of Middash. That is the lesson of this week's Pash, one of the big lessons of this week's parash. And I find in the work that I do that there are a lot of people who mean it right. And sometimes they even have a degree. But they're so not healthy. And they think they're going to get healthy by helping others. You need to get healthy first. Because if you're not healthy, all the triggers that make you unhealthy are going to end up coming out when you're trying to help somebody else. Now we have to separate this and be very clear. That you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The closure of pain, the closure of trauma. Someone who has trauma. So there's um, a lot of different therapies for trauma, and they keep coming out with you know the EMDR, and there's there's a lot of different you know for for post-trauma syndrome. The real closure. When a person finally gets over their trauma and some trauma is a life sentence. So how do you get over that trauma? So the truth is, and some therapists may not like what I'm about to say, but so I just have to say what my experience shows me. Going to therapy, whether it's a life coach or a therapist or any therapist or EMDR or PSD, whatever whatever therapy you're doing, the new ones, the old ones, in the end of the day, they're coping skills. They teach you how to cope with your pain. They, keep, they teach you how to deal with it. They teach you how not to let it get triggered. But to take your pain, to take the negativity that happened to you in your life and make it positive, there's only one way. To make it positive. In other words, this happened to me. I went through this. I'm not doing well. I need to talk about it. I need to figure out how to go back there and sometimes re-traumatize myself. It's a whole different machlikes in therapy and coaching. I'm not going to get into that, right? Because sometimes when you go back and you re-traumatize yourself, you now traumatize yourself twice. And it's harder to get out. But the truth is, if you have an, the, the spiritual and physical world work together, if you have an infection, you got to go clean out the infection. So the therapy is really to go back there. There's an infection, it's festered, you're not doing well, even if you are doing well, but there's an infection, there. you got to go back, you got to clean it out. But to take the negative thing that happened to you, how do you make it positive? Maybe I can make it even go away. If I really have a superstar therapist, maybe I can make it go away, that it's not always on my head. But how does one make it positive? And there's only one answer to that question that I have found. How do you get closure? How do you totally close it? I'm telling to you from my experience of my trauma that I went through as a kid and where I am today. And the only way to turn that pain into gain or that, that pain into something, something negative into something positive is when you take your pain and you take your trauma And you use it to help someone else. When you when you take that pain and you use it to help someone else, it no longer hurts. Why? Because the stuff that you went through now is no longer negative. If I am using what I went through to help someone else, so what really happened to me, of course at that moment it was negative, but what really happened to me, the reaction, if the reaction of the negativity is positive, then I'm in a positive place. If I just go to therapy, and go to therapy, and go to therapy, and go to life coaching, whatever you're doing, and go to therapy, and go to therapy, right? And don't do anything. Last Yesterday, I met with a girl who went through, we wanted to talk about trauma. Wow. Crazy stuff. And she's off to derek, and she's in an ashram. And an ashram is like where there's a guru, and... Everyone is meditating and planting and vegans. And I'm not saying it's, it's not a Jewish ashram, right? Happened to be the guru was a Jewish woman. I don't know how that happened. She's not alive anymore. But they had a Jewish guru. I don't know. I never heard of a Jewish guru. But I told her it's a Reviton. It's not a Jewish guru. You call her a Reviton. But she was, they're all I mean, they're, they're no kosher, no nothing. It's not, no Shabbos, no nothing. It's not a Jewish place. And she told me that this, that was the last time I met with her. And she told me that this morning she's going to a place where it's a meditation it's a meditation ashram where they meditate 10 hours straight and the meditation is so so deep that when you're in this meditation you can actually feel the blood flowing through your veins you get so in contact with your body you can feel your body digesting its food okay i can't sit for 5 minutes she said if your nose if your nose itches you, right? You can't touch your nose. You you go out of your body so that you don't feel your nose. This is heavy stuff. Heavy meditation. Listen, meditation is not a joke. Meditation. We 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 use one little percentage of our brains. akash Bokhu gave us. I mean, you know, all the tzaddikim, The taught his 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 boydos is very big. You need to think about. You need to get away from the buzz. And Moshe Rabbeinu found Hashem in the desert. The Kosh Bokhu gave the Torah. In the desert. Doda Melech was in the desert. Yaakov Avinu was a shepherd at night. He said, he stayed up all night. When, when you don't have the buzz, you don't have the phones, and you don't have all the technology in your head, you can talk, and I'm very, you know that I'm very into it. I go, I might even tell you where I'm going because I don't want to meet anyone there. But I go, I go to a place up in Bear Mountains, which is very quiet and private, and you can see 500 miles of woods, and I meditate. I go away. Right? Not for 10 hours, no way. <laughs> And the last time I did it, I have a picture on my phone. The last time I did it, there's no one where I am has been near a ranger station. It's on the top of the highest mountain. And it's amazing. It's amazing to go away from everyone. And there's wind. You actually can feel wind. Like in New York, you don't feel wind. And there's wind. And there's hooks. And there's beers. But i don't never met the beers. Right? And you just close your eyes. And you think about, Hashem, look, what's, what am I here for? What's going on? How can I help Klai Yisrael? There's, there's a lot of stuff. Am I healthy? What did I do wrong? What I do right? Do I answer my phone enough? Do I not answer my phone enough? Am I good to people? Am I not good to people? And you have just all these different thoughts. So she says this is going on for 10 days, 10 hours a day. Just meditation. And she was very, this is a girl that I knew and now she's like very hippie and she's like yeah man I connect with what you're saying, you know? Like, wow, it's like the 60s again. And when she finished telling me where she's going, what she's doing, I said, and then what? She said, what do you mean? I'm like, 10 hours with yourself, and you found yourself, and you feel your blood going through your veins, and you, you feel your books, and they're vegetarian, so they don't have to feel lamp chops. Lamb chops being digested, that must be very painful, right? So they're digesting beans and rice and some some other things that they're eating, maize, whatever, right? And I'm like, and now that you feel your blood and you know who you are and you uh, digest, you feel your whole body. And then she goes, and then what? I'm like, what do you do with it? Like, what do you do with it? Now that you are in connection with yourself, I said... Are you going out to save the world? Are you helping kids? Or are you going back to this ashram and planting string beans? Do you really need to be in contact with yourself for 10 hours to plant string beans? Like, what are you doing with this? They didn't take her that step. So I said, if you, don't, if you don't use it... And she went through a lot of trauma. I said, if you don't, if you don't use what you're doing to help others... Then this whole thing is not positive. It's very nice that you know who you are and you're in contact with yourself and you're at peace with yourself. I said maybe become a yoga teacher, maybe teach other people what you're doing, maybe help kids, whatever it is. But you gotta do something with it. So, so what I'm saying over here is that there are a lot of people, so 100%, you, you should help others. If you went through something, you have, and I talk about it all the time, you have the backpack to help others that went through the same thing you did. I can't give you a class on what it means to feel if your parents are divorced. My parents were never divorced. I understand. I've taught kids that parents were divorced. I've dealt with divorce. But I, my parents were never divorced. So for me to get up and give you a share on it, I would not do that to you. Because who am I to talk to you about a subject that I did not live through? But if a person went through a divorce and their parents were divorced, and they went through all that pain and themselves, and everything that a kid goes through, right? In the end of the day, if you walk into a class of kids, right, they had a a support group for girls ages 6 to 16 or ages 6 to 20 who are from divorced parents who are having a very hard time, and you walked into that class, and you're successful, and you're a teacher, and and you're a successful person, and you walk in, and they're like, Oh, another MORA, they don't, she'll never understand me. And you're like, the first thing I want everyone to know, that my parents got divorced. And the kids are like, well, yeah, my parents got divorced. I didn't, my parents weren't together since I'm six years old. All the divorced kids in the class are like, this is my teacher. I'm following her to the promised land. This is my, this is my teacher. She understands me. And once that group of kids belongs to her and she's able to help them, that whole pain, goes away it's closure otherwise you're dealing with it you're dealing with it how do I get past it nah, nah, whatever it is I spoke, I spoke in Muncie last night I told him my, my most favorite line that I ever heard from a girl no not my, one of them um, where she was she went to a shachin I'm not going to name who the shachin was she went to a shachin and then she put her resume down and the shachin read the resume and her parents were divorced her brother was totally off the off the derech, and the shachan said, "I don't really do these kind of shidduchim to this poor kid. Like, what am I? A monster? Like Frankenstein? Like, what am I? Right?" He said, I, really, "I don't really do these these type of shidduchim. I don't know. Maybe I could find maybe a boy. Maybe maybe I could maybe I could find someone for you to go out. But I, I I don't really do these like she was just trying to say. I don't do broken home shidduchim. And this poor girl was like." smashed, and she said, but but I'll have you in mind, and she had this whole pile of stuff, and she just took her her resume and put it on the bottom in front of her and she said to the woman the shop, and she said I just want to tell you something, she said if you, if you find me a boy that's willing to deal with my baggage tell him, I have baggage but it's designer baggage, what a line what a line. She's over it. It's like, you can, you can, you can say whatever you want. End of the day, I'm, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of my resume. My baggage is designer baggage. It says Louis Vuitton on it, whatever. Whatever designer baggage is, that's when you're healthy. That's when you're healthy. And, and the problem is that, that many people who are not healthy, right... They want to get healthy by helping others. No. You have to get healthy. And then you can help others. And when you help others, you'll have closure. It's Lahavdo Lehavdol. When people are having shalom bias problems and they have a child thinking that the child is going to make the them bias better. Many, many times I have dealt with couples who are momish killing each other. And she just had a baby. I'm like, I can't I don't know the heter, not the heter, you have to ask a rabbi, whatever it is, but you guys like you gotta get peace going on between you first. And she's and she's like, No, we thought if we have another child, it's gonna make peace. Child doesn't make peace child doesn't make peace you got to get healthy have a child but you got to get healthy helping someone else when you're not well doesn't help you get peace and doesn't help that person if you're not well and you're helping someone else that relationship that enmeshment is not going to be healthy because if she's the one that you're helping which you feel is going to make you healthy then you're going to enmesh with that person so tight and so close and you're not going to let them breathe because you need to get healthy. So really, if you break it down and you pull the layers off, you're using that person. You're using the person who's coming to you for help for you to get healthy. Cannot work. Can not work. Does not work. And I have seen this very, very, very often. You're not gonna stop doing drugs because you're a drug counselor. You need to stop doing drugs. You need to get healthy. You need to figure out how you did that. Then you can become a drug counselor. Being a counselor will not stop you from doing drugs. It doesn't work. Says the prostitute. You're a cayenne? You're gonna make peace between people? You're going to get people to be forgiven? You're going to take people who are impure and make them pure? Well, then you better not have a mum. Because if you have a mum, you can't do any of that. It's big. This is big. Work on yourself first. Internally, work on yourself first. When you work on yourself and you are in a good place, then you can help another person. You're not using that person as your crutch to feel good when you go home at night. Because all of a sudden, you will not be working on yourself anymore. She will keep saying, wow, since I met you, I, I never was able to talk to anyone. And go to the home and feel good. But it's just a band-aid because you, you didn't work on your stuff. You got to work on your stuff. So the opening plastic here is huge. Kayin. You got a mum? Some of these mums were very small. You got a mum? You got a blemish? Get yourself fixed first. You have a broken arm, and your arm is mended, you can go back to doing the avayda. While your arm is broken, you can't do the avayda. It's very, very, very important. And if the person who you're helping knows that you're healthy, they will get better much faster. Much, 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 much faster. How come a client that has no arm, he's missing one arm, he can never do the avayda. It's not his fault, he's born without an arm. He didn't do anything wrong. He's born without an arm. can never do the avayda. Why not? Because if he has a mum, and the person's looking at his mum, and he's not he does, hes not totally tamim, then he can't represent the avayda that he's, doing, that he's doing. So even though the person, he didn't do anything wrong, but I'm looking at a person with a mum, there's something missing. There's something missing. I can't get my full... I can't get what I need. I can't get my, my, my full forgiveness. So this, this is... A very big piece of this week's parashat talks about... Then it talks about the animal, even if the cayenne is perfect. If the animal isn't perfect, also the cayenne has to be perfect, the carbon has to be perfect, and the cayenne has to be perfect. Now, there's a very, very interesting story that represents exactly what I'm telling you. I've said it here many, many years ago, but I haven't said it lately. There's a new couple. They just got married. And they're sitting in an apartment building. They're sitting in the kitchen... And she's making breakfast. And the two of them see the apartment building across, in the old days. Now, you don't have this anymore. But the apartment, across from them, the apartment building across from them, there's a lady hanging out her laundry to dry. In the old days, before, you were, before all of you were born, most of you anyway, in the old days, they didn't have dryers. So if they were lucky enough to have a washing machine, they would take the clothing and put it on a long clothesline, with clothes, with clips, you know, the stuff they have that closes your nose, like, you know, as a joke, the wooden things, and they would, the laundry would hang out there, and it would dry, right, watch, there, was, there were sayings like that, don't hang your laundry out to dry or something in public, right, no one, no one needs to know what kind of clothing you wear, whatever, whatever, I don't have to get into it, all right, don't, so it was like pretty embarrassing, I remember, I remember when I used to go to my grandmother, and, and, and they had all these apartment buildings, and They had... It people's underwear and their pants and their shirts and everything was hanging out the windows, right? And then you pull the string, you pull it in, you pull it in. You kids don't even know what that is, but that's what, that's what it used to be. Anyway, so, so they're sitting there and they're sitting at their breakfast table and they're looking at the apartment building across and they see this lady on the clothesline putting stuff out on the clothesline. And you only put the stuff on the clothesline after you wash it, but all the clothing that's on the clothesline is dirty. She's like, that's so weird. Why would someone put dirty laundry to dry? Must be that she's washing the clothing without detergent. So she said to her husband, that's so weird. You know, the lady put out dirty laundry. Okay. Next day, or two days later, do laundry every day. Two days later, again, the clothing's out there, it's all dirty. So she says to her husband, maybe we'll take our mice some money and we'll buy detergent And we'll buy bleach. And we'll go over to that apartment. Because this lady seems not to have anything. And we'll give it to her. She seems just to be watching her clothing in the water. But that's it. Fine. So they take their bleach. And they take their detergent. And they go across the street. They figure out which apartment it is. And they ring the bell. And the lady comes to the door. And they're like, hi. We just got married. We're across the street. Um, We brought you a present. Wow. Such a nice couple. You know, usually when you, someone moves in, they bring Kugel, Cholent, I don't know, piece of cake, right? They brought Clorox and detergent, And she says, that's such a weird gift you're bringing me. And they're like, well, they don't want to insult her. They're like, well, we were thinking that, you know, maybe you could use some of this stuff. And, you know, we have a lot. And she's like, no, I'm good. I, I don't need this, but thank you. And she turns around like this. Like, two weird kids like what would they do <coughs> who, who brings Clorox to someone else right okay. they don't understand they go back they go back to the, they go back downstairs they're like this doesn't make sense okay the next morning it's very hot in the kitchen so the husband opens the window and the lady is putting out the clothing and it's all clean and they're like ah see we probably embarrassed her into doing this because we brought her Clorox and stuff. Right? So, now it's clean. Now he says, hold on a second. He puts down the window and it's all dirty. All the clothing's dirty. He picks up the window. All the clothing's clean. He says, It ain't her clothing, darling! Our window is dirty! He brings this down as a marshal. What a lesson. When you look at someone else and you see their impurities, it's not that they're impure, it's that your windows are dirty. It's that you're judging someone incorrectly, you're looking at someone in the wrong way. Fix your windows first. Clean your windows first before you try to bring Clorox and detergent to somebody else. And that's the lesson, of, that's the lesson of this process. Tell the Anyone who has a mom should not be bringing korbanos. It's a very important lesson. It's a very important lesson. You want to be a teacher. You want to be a teacher. You want to teach kids. You need to work on yourself. You need to be healthy. You're not going to get healthy from teaching kids. If you're healthy, you're going to help kids get healthy because you're a healthy teacher. Once you're healthy, then using what you become. To help others, mamish turns your life around. Turns your life around. But if you're just going to meditate and meditate and meditate and go to therapy and get better, okay, and then not use what you got better, not, not use it, you'll never be able to turn that negative thing that happens to you in your life into something positive. You may be able to cope with it. You may be able to deal with it. You may be able to go on with your life. You may be able to focus on other things, but what happened will never become positive until you use it to help someone else. That's when it changes. I'm telling you my life, that's when it changes. It changes when you help somebody else. That's for sure. Okay. Now, it also says, there's also a very beautiful Dvart So it says, this is the week, by the way, of Sphira. This is the week where the Apostle talks about Sphira. Where the tells us that, well, let's talk about Sphira for a minute. Sfira is called Sfira for Omer. Why is it called Sfira for Omer? It's a very beautiful shot. Sfira Omer spelled Omer is spelled with an ayin, Omer is spelled with an ayin. But an ayin and an aleph are interchangeable. How do you know that? Anyone here know how you know? How do you know that an ayin and an aleph are interchangeable? I think it's Yushalmi. I think I it's the Gemara, Gemara Yushalmi. I'm not sure. It brings down like this. It says by Yasu that Hashem made for Adam and Chavah after the sin he made them clothing made out of or with an iron. ayin, ayin Vavresh. He, he made clothing made out of skin who said it? Ramayor? Remember who said it? that when Mashiach comes the only letter in the Sefer Torah that's going to change is that ayin the ayin is going to become an Aleph. because what happened when Hashem created Adam and Chavah, they were clothed. They weren't working, walking around not clothed, but they were clothed in or. They were you could you could not see. Zayyut talks about this. Many of the will talk about this. You could not see their bodies. You could not see Adam's body, and you could not see Chava's body. Because there was a light that was emanating from their physical body that was so bright that you couldn't see the physical part. You couldn't see the skin or any body parts. Because there was this glow, this light that was so bright, they were created with a kasnas ar. They were created with, with a, a clothing, it's the clothing that you have in the next world, a clothing that was made out of light. That's what it was. And they, it's brought down, the people who saw in their dreams, people that, that are brought down that, that came from the other world, so they were, they were in this crazy light, you couldn't even look at them. So they were, that's how they were dressed. When they ate and they ate tadas, because now they knew ben toiv ra, That, Kostnas Or, left. They didn't have a clothing of light. At the same time, they didn't have a clothing of physical. So when Hashem asked them, Why are you hiding from me? Because if they were in the light, they could be in the presence of Hashem. Because their human body, their physical body, wasn't showing. So Hashem said, Why are you hiding from me? So He said, Because we know that we're not dressed. Hashem said, What do you mean you're not dressed? What do you mean you're not dressed? He says, what did you do? Ah, and now we got a problem. Because now you're not dressed. Because you lost the light. When you ate the you lost the light. Now we got two people walking around that you can see their physical bodies. So Hashem did chesed. He made for them clothing made out of leather, out of skin, not out of light so that I think it's Yusham, he says that when Mashiach comes we're going to get back to clothing of light so the ayin will turn into an aleph and that's the only letter in the whole Torah that will change so we see that an ayin and an aleph can change so Omer Svirasa Omer spelled with an ayin but if you change it what was the Avera that was Rabbi Akiva's Talmudian 24,000 Talmudians died what was the Avera The vera was that they didn't give, they didn't talk to each other nicely. They didn't give each other cover. They didn't talk nicely to each other. So he says, since you can change the ayin to an aleph, it's svirasa omer, counting the words that you say, being careful with what comes out of your mouth. So the ayin is interchangeable, svirasa omer, count your words, be careful what you say. Now, in svirasa omer, right, so what's, what's the mitzvah you have to, no, no one even knows, most people don't even know what's the omer, what's the omer anyone here know what the omer is some people know I can't see you, I can only hear you barley, barley but what, what is it so what do they do with the barley it's for animal feed that's what barley is used for But w- so so we raise the from- What what was that carbon omer, what is the carbon omer on Pesach. So on Pesach, now Allah was like this. Um you could not you could not eat the new grain that was harvested until Mudse Pesach, they would go into the field, they would cut some barley, and they would bring the carbon omer, that would be the that would be in here, in we have two days. So it would be the second day. That's why we start sphere on the second day. But in Eretz Swal, it was the first day Cholomoy. Much say the first day of Pesach, they would get the barley and they would bring the carbon the, the first day of Cholomoy. You were not allowed to eat any wheat, any, any new grain until that carbon was brought. Now that carbon was a carbon of barley. Marley was never brought in the base of Megdash only for two things. For Sfirasa Omer, for the carbon Omer, and for the carbon Sota. A woman who her husband told her not to go in the room and lock the door with this man. She did. We don't know what she did in that room. We can't know what she did in that room, but her husband's suspecting she did some bad things. So we, the only way we can find it out is to bring her to the base of Megdash and she had to drink some water that Hashem's name was actually erased, the partial we wrote, and erased it, and she drank the water. And if she did something she wasn't supposed to, her stomach internally exploded and she died. Why did we why so so the carbon that she brought, the carbon site that she brought, at the end of the day, even if she didn't do anything wrong, she did something wrong. She was Yikhud. She went into a room together with a man. So the carbon she brought was a carbon of barley. Because it was a little animalistic. Because barley represents animal feed She went into a room with a man That she shouldn't have gone into So it's a low level carbon So why would you bring After the harvest A carbon of Of And the terrace is very deep And it's very beautiful Because Kla Yisrael came out of Mitzrayim When Kla Yisrael came out of Mitrayim, <coughs> right Pesach They left Mitzrayim So the Malachim said Hashem, this woman that you're marrying, Klai Yisrael, is a harlot. She had all these Avaydizaras. She was she was messing around with all these men, all the Avaydizaras and Mitzrayim. She's she's committed adultery, Klai Yisrael. Hashem said, No, no. This she did tshuva. They came out. Of, they did a total tshuva. They're, they're they're clean. They're pure. They're holy. Really? Bring a carbon seita. So the carbon oymeh was sort of a carbon saita. And Hashem said, you see, they brought a carbon, they brought a carbon shaita to show you everybody that they are just for me and they're not. Chaz Rashalom did anything wrong. So that's we use Bali. But that's the halacha. Why did Hashem tell us that we have to bring this carbon armor? We came into Eretz Yisrael, right? And we came into Eretz Yisrael. and right away, I think we came in on the 15th, on the 16th, right away we had to bring this carbon armor. And the reason is as follows. And we have a counting of Omer, right? Forty nine days. We go up, we go, we go up and up and up and up and up and up. And the reason is as follows. The whole forty years that they were in the Midbar, they lived on Bitochum. They lived on Bitochum. Every single day, if you left over anything from the mon it rotted. So you, you had there was no savings. Imagine you never have money. For another day, every single day you're depending on Hashem that you're going to make money. You, you don't have one, and some people live this way. You don't have one <laughs> penny in savings, right? So here we're 40 years depending on Hashem, depending on Hashem, depending on Hashem, depending on Hashem. We we have this. It's called manhu kilei Amahu They didn't know what to call it. Manhu spells the word emuna. Mem nun hevav aleph. Take those letters. Manhu spells the word emuna. They lived on a food that was totally amuna, Totally amuna, Every single day. Now, you're going to go into Eretz You're going to become a farmer. I planted it. I watered it. I harvested it. Right? You're going to think, yadi. I did it. And you're going to lose because no longer are you dependent day to day because grain, the, the thing that you can save pretty much the longest is grain. So, I don't need you, Hashem. I have five silos full of grain. What do I need you for? The man, I need you every day. So, who said specifically, you, before you can eat any of your grain, you think it's your grain, you cannot eat any of your grain unless you bring the carbon Omar and you show that you uh, that you remember the man. Now, what does Omer have to do with man? And the answer is that the only other place in the Torah that it says the word Omer, right? Is when Klausro got them on. I'll read a few inside. When Klausro got them on, Rashid Beshalach, it says the following. You're not going to believe me. Man, they called it the man. The man was called, take an omer from it. And the Torah ends off by the pasha of man. The omer, what was the omer? The measurement that each Jew got in front of his house. It was the tenth of an eifer, whatever. But the man was called omer so the only other time you see the word Omer is by the Mon now you have to bring a carbon Omer why do you have to bring a carbon Omer and the reason is don't ever think that you don't need Hashem every single day so specifically the Mon was called the Omer and therefore you have to bring a carbon Omer and that's part of the work that we have to do in these 49 days we have to work on ourselves in these 49 days You have to work on Emunah you start off with Chesed Shebe Chesed we'll talk for just a couple of minutes tonight about how Chesed Shebe Chesed ended up as malchus malchus, but the foundation, the first night when you say Svirah, echad omer, that stands for chesed shem chesed. Every there are seven sviros: chesed, teferes, yisoid, hayid. There's a malchus, teferes, Netzach, uh, There are seven of them. There, there are forty nine combinations. The first combination is chesed chesed, the foundation of the whole omer. Of all your county to get to Malchus Machus, which is royalty, what's the foundation? What's the first night? The first night is Chesed Sheba Chesed. You don't start with Chesed Sheba Chesed, you cannot get to Malchus Machus. And you will see that Boaz tells Ruth, in a pasuk, he uses the word Chesed Sheba Chesed. And we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. We don't have that much more time. So, so the carbon omer, right? The carbon omer, so the, the Torah said, should be 50 days. But really, it's 49 days. Okay? It's really 49 days. We count 49 days, even though it says 50. The Chachamim say, on the 50th day is Shavuos. But you got to count 49 days. Because if you count 50 days, then it will be the 51st day Shavuos. So they changed it. Okay? The Chachamim changed it. He says a story here. In, the, in the, the city of Vilna, but now it's about 80, 90 years ago. So the Rav Chaim Oza lived there. And Rabbi Echiel was there. And there was a discussion between the two of them. And he said, I want you to... You're, you're, he said, a, a Dvar Torah, right? And when he said the Dvar Torah, Chaim Ozzar said to him, you are truly a great Rav. So Rabbi Echiel asked him, simply relaying a word of Torah makes you a great Rav? Everybody can say a word of Torah. And he said... Yes. He said yes. He said that a rav has the power um, he says first of all he says, interesting, he says that people are foolish. They rise in the presence of a Sefer Torah comes into the room but they don't rise when a rav comes into the room. And he says that, that the Torah tells us that if a person does certain averas you get malchus. What's malchus? The Torah tells you you get 40 lashes. The Chachamim mm-hmm. translated it no, you don't get forty mal- You don't get forty lashes for Malkus. You get thirty-nine. You go up to the fortieth. In other words, you don't get forty. It's up to forty, with forty not part of it. There's a lashon. There's a in gamatria that the Gematria would not with, with the word either adding or not adding. So you're supposed to get forty 40 whacks. Only get thirty-nine whacks. The Chum took one whack off. They said it didn't mean forty wax, It meant up to forty so they changed it the Chacham also changed the Omer that you don't count 50 but you count 49 so he said he asked him the Raya, the proof in the Gemara I think it's Yerushalmi says that you see the power of the Chachamim from Malchus that they could change 40 to 39 so he asked him but how come the Chachamim didn't say that? that the Gemara didn't say that you can find the the power of the Chachamim, that they changed the Omer from 50 to 49. That's also the big power of the Chachamim. The Torah says count 50. They say count 49. That's what we count. So why did you pick on the lashes that go from 40 to 39 and you don't say anything about the Omer where you're going from 50 to 49? Listen to this last word. So he said the following. Svirasa Omer has no effect on the next person. Right? See what's the Oman has to do with me, not with you. On the other hand, to receive 39 lashes instead of 40 would save another Jew a great deal of pain. We see from here that when the Gemara wants to prove the greatness of a Rav, the greatness of a teacher, the greatness of a leader, it cites the case of 39 lashes, which highlights the sensitivity of compassion to another human being. The Gemara says, you want to see the power of a... Of a Rav, of the Chachamim, it's not about changing the Omer. It's about changing another person's pain. Instead of hitting him 40 times, you only hit him 39 times. That, Gemara says, shows you the power of a Rav, not changing 50 to 49. Which is what these days, what these days stand for. Okay. So I want to just tell you a little bit for a moment. <laughs> about Rus something I, sp- I spoke about last night I've been speaking a lot so Rus was called HaMalchus. there's a machlokas in the Navi it says that when Shlomo HaMelech overslept the day that the base of Midrash was supposed to be opened he overslept for whatever reason he overslept and the, and the whole class was out early opening the base of Amigdash and he wasn't showing up so who could go into the king's room? only his mother no one else can go into the king's room so it says the Imam Alchus in the Navi it says Imam Al-Qas went in she tied him to a pole she took out a leather strap and whacked him and said this is what I brought up you woke up late from the base Hamidah, Shlomo HaMelech got a spanking it's, it's, it's here it's, it's in the Navi For so the Mepharshim say who was this woman that whacked him some say that it was his mother Batsheva but a lot of them say that it was Rus and that Rus lived right all the way to Shlomo HaMelech's time and she said you think I came from Moab to become a Jew? To do everything I did so that my great great grandson should oversleep the morning? Well the Beit Middash, whack. And he turned around to her and he said, I'm a cabal what you say. He was macabul his machus. He was macabre either by Chevro or Rus. A Rus lived a very, very long time, and according to most, she was called Aim Hamalchus, the mother of royalty in from. And I told the girls last night, I said, Schwartz has a very important lesson that I think most of us miss. And the lesson is that from the furthest place can come greatness. And that there is no Jew in God's eyes that is too small to get the Torah. The whole basis... Of Harsinai, that we learned as little kids, by the way, according to it, Harsinai wasn't even much of a mountain, it was more like a sand dune compared to other mountains. It was, it was a very small little mountain. And we all learned it as kids that Hashem, you know, all the big mountains wanted it, Hashem didn't say anything, it was an un-of, right? But it's, it's not a story for the kids, it's, it's to teach us the lesson. Hashem wants to teach us that wherever you come from your your parents are gay room your parents are divorced it's a dysfunctional family you were lost you went off the derrick you went on the derrick you did who knows what kind of averis it doesn't make a difference every Jew can come from the furthest and deepest and darkest place I I read you that last line last week you remember the line I read you? I think I read it here last week that the girl wrote me from rehab did I read it here last week? The, the last line where she wrote when you're when you're when you're in deep darkness and you think you're being buried, you're really being planted. What? Yeah. It was like the best line I ever heard in my life. When you're in the darkest place and you think you're being buried, you're really being planted. Is that amazing, amazing, amazing? For a girl to write that who's in the deepest, darkest place. Who went through the deepest, darkest things? She wrote she Walked away from Hashem and then walked back into His hands. And the last line she wrote to me was, "When you're in the deepest darkness, deepest darkness, and you think you're buried, you're really being planted." And that really goes back to the beginning of my year. You take your trauma. You think you're being buried. You feel like your marriage is being buried, and you use that trauma to grow and to help others. So you're being planted. You're not. You're not being buried. I was planted in third grade. What I went through in third grade which was crazy stuff, I thought I was being buried, for sure. Embarrassed and beat and all everything that I went through. Mm -hmm. But really, Hashem was planting me. He was like, you're going to use that because you're going to remember what it feels like to be embarrassed and hurt physically and hurt emotionally. And you're going to use that when you get healthy to help others. So was I buried by my Rebbe or was I planted by my Rebbe? I was definitely planted by my Rebbe. Did he have a right to do what he did? Of course not. He wasn't thinking about planting me. He was thinking about burying me. So you can imagine if a seed had a brain and you went to the store and you opened that little packet, right? And the seed's sitting in the, in the store nicely and having a good life in a little paper bag and you take that seed and you, you, you dig a hole in the ground and you take the seed and you put him into the hole. He's thinking, oh my gosh, why did this person buy me? He just buried me and then you take the dirt and you cover the seed it's like oh my gosh this is really bad you're not being buried little seed you're being planted and then you're going to be an apple tree there's going to be many apples and all those apples are going to have seeds And from you being buried for whatever time you were buried look what came out a bunch of other seeds that are going to be buried and come out even more and all of a sudden you have an orchard I live next to an apple orchard amazing amazing in rows hundreds and hundreds and thousands of apple trees Crazy. Right? So the seed thinks it's being buried, but, and Shem's like, you're not being buried. Shem doesn't bury us alive. That you can have after 120 years. It's up to you what you do. You want to push out of that ground, and you want to grow, or you want to stay in the ground. The seed that stays in the ground rots and dies. The seed that pushes out, you got to plant. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes we need help to, to grow. Okay, that's why there's a farmer. Farmer helps the seed grow. The farmer protects the seed from all the weeds. The farmer waters the seed. He puts fertilizer on the seed. He does a lot of work with that seed. HaKadosh Baruch is the farmer. God is the farmer and we are the seed. And sometimes we feel very buried. The farmer makes sure that we can grow. At the end of the day, the question is, what do you do with the stuff? So that's why, in the beginning of this year, that's why I said what I said, because... I am a product of that, and I am always trying to get healthier. Cause no one is perfect, but I can tell you that when someone, when I help someone, I'll tell you how I know, that I know what I'm talking about. I'm very clear. I don't do ten hours of, uh, of, uh, meditating. And if my nose itches while I'm meditating, I'll scratch it the reason I know that, I'm, that I, I can say what I'm saying and I'm saying this very honestly and I do know myself not you get to know new things about yourself all the time but this I do know if in a dream Hashem came to me, he doesn't I'm not starting a new religion if in a dream Hashem came to me he said Zechariah Wallstein, if you could do this again would you take that beating in third grade my answer would be 100% yes except if I knew what was going to come out of it I'd smile instead of cry But you never know what's going to come out of it beforehand. But I'm very clear in my head. Because I know that if I didn't take that beating, there'd be no Ornava. There'd be no BCA. There'd be no a lot of stuff. Because that's why I did what I did. And I would be in business. And I'd be with my friends. And I'd be in Florida now. And wherever I'd be. And I'd be golfing. I have no idea how to golf. But I'd be golfing. I have no question. If they asked me, at this point in my life, if you had a choice, would you take that beating? My answer would be yes that's when you know the wound is closed. That's when you know the wound is closed. That's when you know that the wound doesn't hurt anymore, but it's a positive thing. When you're willing to go back there and have it happen again because of the good that came out of it, then that, what happened to you, is no longer bad. I've never talked about this. I don't talk about this. I've never given, given a sheer on this level, but I'm telling you straight up, that's when you know it's over. When you're willing to go back because of what came from it, the product that came from it, as painful as that was, then you know, then you know it's healed. Then you know the zipper's closed. That's it. It's done. And that's what you have to strive for. So to sit 10 hours for 10 days and then, okay, you're healthy and you know yourself, but you don't do anything with it. In the end, your pain's going to come back. You got to use it. You got to use it. It's your backpack. It's very, very important. But the first thing you have to do is you have to work on yourself. You have to be... Not perfect, but you have to be healthy. If you have non-healthy attributes, you cannot go help other people because it's just going to magnify you. Guess what? At the end of the day, you're just going to use that person to get better and that's the worst thing you can do. Because once again, you're going to go back into pain because you just use somebody for yourself, which is the most greedy, selfish thing that a human being can do to use another human being... So that you can get better, it's not allowed. You're supposed to help the other person get better. Use yourself to get better. That's what that's what she that's what she did. Use yourself, work on yourself. Spend some time with yourself. That's how you grow. Alright. That wasn't my shit tonight, by the way. I don't know where, where that came from. Um, so let's end with this. So where do we see Chasa We'll end with this. Rus. We'll talk again about Rus. Uh Let's see, let's see, let's see. She comes to Boaz, she uncovers his feet, and he says, We <laughs> are He says, Your chesed is greater, your chesed is greater, this chesed is greater than the other chesed. Two chesedim. Chesed to This chesed is greater than the other chesed. What does that mean, this chesed is greater than the other chesed? So we'll end with this. How do you become a Rus? How do you become Emma Malchus? When you're willing to sacrifice, what's Chesachibaches said? So what Rus did here was chesed, sheba chesed Let me just tell you very fast. So there's a din of Yibum. Yibum means that if a man gets married and his, and he dies and he has no children, right? So he left nothing in this world. A man gets, Ruven, gets married, he dies, he has no children. So now he leaves this world and he didn't leave anything here. His brother Shimon has a din of Yibum. Your brother died and had no children. You marry his wife, even though they're sisters. You marry his wife. Oh, that's it. He's having two wives. You marry her. Now, why should you marry your brother's wife, right? Normally, you're not allowed to marry your brother's wife. Because if you have a child, if the brother, Shimon, has a child with Reuven's wife, that child is considered like Reuven's. So it's not like he left the world without anything. From his wife came a child, so even though it's not from him, it's sort of like his child. That's Hebam. Okay? Now let's say there is no brother, right? He didn't have a brother. He had an uncle, that's the next relative. The uncle has to marry the, the brother that died's wife. There's no uncle, a cousin. The, 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 the closest relative to the brother that died, has to marry that wife. If he doesn't want to, he gives her a chalitza. He doesn't like her. Doesn't want her. His wife says, uh, uh-uh, right? Whatever reason, he can he, he, gives her a chalitza, he spits into his shoe, and he says, I am not going to help bring my brother's child to the world. Which is a terrible thing to say. Right? Okay. Now, Rus was married. Rus and Arpa were married to Machlon the Chilion. I think Rus was married to Machlon. So, when Machlon died, he had no children. Naomi lost both her children, Machlon and Khilion, and her husband, and had no grandchildren. So she said to Rus, her daughter-in-law, you were married to, right? So it's a din of Yibam, you were married to Machlon, so could you marry the one who's closest to Machlon? That's to do Yibam. Who was that? Plone Almoni we don't even give him a name second after Ploni Armoni was Boaz so if Poloni doesn't marry her Boaz is not turn to marry Okay. now the symbolism of doing this for your brother by uncovering his feet while he was sleeping it means that you're the one that's going to cover your brother and, and do the it's, it's a Symbolism. So Naomi mm-hmm. told Rus, right? Naomi wanted to have a child from her children. So Naomi told Rus, go to Boaz, right? He's a he was very old, he was 80 something, maybe 85, I think. He's sleeping in the in the garden where all the wheat is. He's fast asleep. Go up there, uncover his feet, and he'll realize that you want Yibum, right? And everything will be fine. Now. She told her to get dressed. She told her to put on makeup. She told her to put on perfume, put on makeup. And, you know, when you leave the house, be all dressed up for him. She didn't do that. She didn't do that. She didn't want to walk in the streets like that. I just read it to you inside. It's, it's, a, it's unbelievable what she did, what Russ did. Um, she says the following. and take a shower, um, put, smear yourself in oil, samta, and get dressed really nice, and go to the silo where he is. But that's not what happened. It says, she went to the silo, and then she did whatever her mother-in-law did. She didn't want to walk with makeup and perfume all dressed up, in the street, like, ah, uh, she shouldn't walk like that. She said so she didn't listen to her mother-in-law. She said, I'll go there, and then I'll do everything. I don't want to walk through the street like, not at Snua. Now, Rus was a Snua. The reason that Boaz even recognized her was, everybody bent down to pick up the wheat, she curtsied. so She was at Snua. We don't have time tonight. Why was she at Snoor? Because of her sauce, we talked about this, her whole sauce was sneers, because the only reason that Moa was allowed into Kla Israel was because Avram Paskin that Sarah Imenu Bihine Bahel. When the when the Malachim asked Sarah, asked Avram where's your wife is serving us all this food? Where's the woman? He said, Women don't serve strangers. Bahine Ba'el, a woman's supposed to be in there, because he Paskin that aloha, when the Moab didn't give us to eat. It was the men's fault, because Avram Avinu said the woman should not come out to eat. So that's why the men were, pu- were punished, they can't marry Jews, but the women can marry Jews. Why? Because Avram Paskin that a woman has to be at Snua. So the whole reason that Moab was allowed to marry, that Wus was even allowed to marry Boaz, was because Sari Menu Avram said Sari Imenu is at Snua. So her whole source of who she was, her spiritual DNA, which is in my book, this is one of the proofs, her spiritual DNA came from Sneers, that's why she was allowed to marry in, so she was at Snua. She was such a snore that all the other girls were not, the Jewish girls were not as sneezed as she was. Now, all the people in the Kleistrol said, eh, she's a faker. Moab is the most immoral nation. They came down, they caused 24, they did all types of barbarism with men, with Jewish men, but Abbas Moab, 24,000 Jewish men died in a plague. This is a bluff. This curtsying business, it's a bluff. She's from Moab, she's a low life. It's just a bluff. We don't believe anything. And they took her. The actually, threw her over the fence. And that's why Boaz said to her, "No one will ever touch you again," because they actually took her, Dovid Amel's grandmother. And they flipped her over a fence before they knew who she was. So she was a Now her mother-in-law asked her to do the most unsneest thing that you can even imagine: to sneak into a man's room in the middle of the night. Not a man. The Galah Go imagine, I'm just saying this, it wouldn't happen, but imagine your mother-in-law telling you when Rav Chaim Kayanevsky goes to sleep tonight, sneak into his room and uncover his feet. You're like, ma you crap. Rav Chaim, you This was Rav Chaim a million times up. This was Boaz, okay? So she's telling her daughter-in-law, who everyone's saying is a faker. This is no modest girl. This is a put-on she's a Moavi, Moabis were harlots low lowlifes what Arpa did that night, a hundred men and a dog, the Medrash says she, when she walked, away from, she walked away from her mother-in-law, she did every that night that you can imagine, she was a Moavi they were immoral, so the Jews weren't going for this curtsying business now her mother-in-law tells her, get dressed up, put your makeup on, and go to the Gohad door and uncover his feet <coughs> if she gets caught in that silo by any of his tamidim or watchmen, sneaking into the galah doors, dressed up with perfume and makeup. We got you! We knew it! You're a faker! You are going to do an avera? You're going to take our Godal, Boaz, our shofate, and sneak into his bedroom and do an avera? You of Lolites! You're doing it again, what you did to the Jews last time. She was willing to sacrifice Everything that she stood for, for her mother-in-law. Here comes the kicker. She was a guy when she was married to Naomi's son. There's no yibum by a guy. She wasn't considered his wife because there's no nisuim. There's no marriage by a guy, so there was no din in yibum. She was never married to Machlom because she was a guy. There's no Kedushin, there's not triface. So there was no Yibam. So what she should have told her mother-in-law is, you want me to sacrifice that I'm a tznua? I If I get caught, I'm finished. Finished. You want me to do that because you want to have a child, a grandchild, that it's sort of like came from your son? There's no din of Yibam here. She didn't say one word. If that's what my mother wants me to do even though I don't have the of yibum, it's going to make her feel better I'm going to do it that's chesed shebe chesed that's not chesed chesed is when I do something for you chesed shebe chesed is when I'm willing to give up everything that I stand for in this world for you this was chesed shebe chesed and in the end she became macho shebe machos. she became em ha said by to her this chesed that you're doing for your mother-in-law he knew the halachas is greater than the chesed you did before that you came back with her is even greater than the chesed you did before wow she gave up everything and what she got for it was David HaMelech and what she got for it is Mashiach ben David we should be zeche to see him b'mheri b'yameinu amein thank you for coming tonight